All right, wanna welcome y'all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your boy Emmanuel Williams back in the building, back in the kitchen, whipping it up. Um, this episode, I think I, I feel like I say this every week. It's gonna be a very special episode, but this is really gonna be a, a dope episode. So, I have a uh, a subject matter expert uh, in her field. Her name is Linda Green. Say hello to the people, Linda. Hello, people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she works in the field of uh, domestic violence. Um, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to give no introduction. I'm going to let you introduce yourself because <laughs> I'm going to let you give your own accolades so you can okay. get it right. <laughs> okay. I'll say this and I'll do my best. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can get this right. Yeah. So yes, my name is Linda Green and I've been providing advocacy and support to survivors of domestic violence or intimate partner violence. Um, and I like to kind of refer to it overall, just unhealthy and unsafe relationships. And I've been doing this work for 10 years. Mm. Um, I'm married. My husband, I've been married for 31 years. We have two adult children one's married one's not and um and it's just i feel really i'm thrilled to death to be here to have this opportunity to speak to who i believe to be definitely my community about right. this topic yeah for sure so let's dive right in okay. once again i appreciate you for coming through and being so willing to talk Absolutely. about this information because not not everyone wants to talk about it and uh one of the things that we discussed before we even you know did this was like you hear the word domestic violence yeah. it goes in one ear yeah. goes out the other a lot of people don't want to talk about it because it's a very sensitive topic um but we're going to dive into it let's dive into it so um so tell us tell the people more about your experience you know who you work with what okay. type of work you do exactly okay um i work for one of three of the emergency shelters in Multnomah county mm-hmm. i work for the Raphael house and if you're curious of what the three are they're the Raphael house of mm-hmm. portland um, they're also West Women and Children's Shelter, as well as Bradley Ingalls Shelter. Um, and we have been doing this work, our organization, for the last, oh my goodness, it's like 40 years that we've been providing emergency services for families fleeing domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think what's really neat about our agency, which sort of sets it apart, and of course I'm going to brag about my agency a little bit, <laughs> what kind, what kind of sets it apart is we do provide a 30-day based shelter stay for families, but that can go up to 120 days. Mm-hmm. And we operate a little bit differently um, in that there's a great deal of how do I say it? A great deal. We assertively engage our families who come into shelter to encourage them. We never tell anyone what to do or how to do. Mm-hmm. We just come alongside of them and support them as they're healing and as they're restoring and discovering what do they want to accomplish during their shelter stay. Mm-hmm. And we do our best to support folks and get them in a place where they're actually able to move from shelter and to a place of stability and ideally You've housing. Been for 10 years? I've been doing at shelter for three and a half years, four okay. years. Okay. okay. So prior to coming to shelter, I came into this work working for a faith-based nonprofit mm. and I was basically facilitating support groups all, all over the place and wow. eventually was hired by that organization mm-hmm. and began to develop other leaders to do the same thing. So I had leaders in, as far as, um, gosh, as far north as Seattle and as far south as Roseburg. Mm-hmm. So I had an opportunity to support leaders all plant groups and support Christian leaders in, in various places. and. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy. The very first group that I that I led was actually in Northeast Portland Police Precinct. They let me <laughs> lead a group in the conference room. What you mean? That was pretty amazing. I did that for was over a year. Was it the police or? Oh, it was the police. It was the police station. It truly was the Northeast Portland Police Precinct. No, but I'm saying your, your group was. Oh, they weren't police? officers. Oh, oh no, okay. no, no. They were, they were. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, what? Wait, and hold. that's, and, and by the way, that's rare. Thank you for, yeah, clarifying yeah. it. That's really rare because most, most survivors really don't want to come into the police station. And I was told yeah. initially that who's going to want to come there for a group. Right. And I had a combination of folks that were like not really wanting to come, but at the same mm-hmm. time they felt that they would be safe there. And well, was, you better be safe there. That was very true. Yeah. So yeah. I did that for about a year. That was okay. pretty amazing. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, but in doing that, I think that's what gave me this um, this desire to. I wanted to know where the ladies went. In other words, I have this list of all these resources of where folks should go mm-hmm. um, when they really are, they need to leave their home. Mm-hmm. And I was always giving information out for these shelters, for Raphael House, for Bradley Angle, for West Women and Children's, mm-hmm. or, you know, the Gateway Center, all these places. Mm-hmm. But I never had any firsthand knowledge of, I couldn't tell them what they could expect when they got there. And mm-hmm. I'm a person of faith, so I really do believe that God just gave me a desire. I believe he impressed upon my heart that you need to be there. And so three and a half years ago, almost four years ago now, I applied for a position that came open and mm-hmm. got it and uh, began to p- provide basically direct care. I shouldn't say direct care, direct service, I should say, mm-hmm. to, to families coming into shelter. So so what what is that like? Tell the people about that 
transition from someone leaving their situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to coming to a to a shelter yeah. um, for that you know for domestic violence? Like how does that how does that occur? How does that occur? Yeah, you know, I would love to say, geez, you pick up the phone and call and you go right in, but that's not the case. Right. Because right now the the need outweighs the resource. Mm-hmm. Um, shelters run full all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, but if someone is really needing to flee and their hope is to get into shelter, the very first step, I would say, the simplest way, the best way to go about it, is to contact the Gateway Center. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that's the first step, and there you'd connect with a navigator, and there's definitely some paperwork that has to be filled out. There's always paperwork, mm-hmm. and and that process can be kind of daunting. But once when it's done, at that point, then they'll begin to search to see what if there's shelter space available. Is there a general protocol for like for all you that are listening that are not in the Portland metro area? You probably don't know what she's talking about. So, mm-hmm. so for those that are just anywhere, you uh-huh. know, is there like a general? Well, actually, there's the there's, National Domestic Violence there's, Hotline. There's a number that, I, that I'm putting in the <laughs> in the title of, of the podcast. Right. So you can call that 1-800 number. Exactly. exactly. What is it? 1-800-799-SAFE, right? I believe you're right. Yeah. And so if you call that number, it'll direct you to someone local. Right. What will okay. happen is you'll call that number and they'll get a chance to hear where you are. And yes, they'll assist you in getting to where you need to be. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then from there, you have to talk to whatever branch. Mm-hmm. And then they'll try to find a local mm-hmm. shelter for you. Yeah. And ideally, like um, like the Gateway Center is actually what's called a family justice center. Mm-hmm. And so there's one here at Multnomah County. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also one, um, actually, Washington County has their, their what is it, Domestic Violence Resource Center. And that's also a wonderful place to go. So there's other places just outside of, like, Multnomah County. I speak to Multnomah County because we're like one of the, what, the largest county in the state. Mm-hmm. And also this is where I happen to do the work at. Um, but there's definitely resources in, I was in Clackamas, mm-hmm. um, as well as Washington County. Okay, cool, yeah. awesome. And Polk, and yeah. 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 All it's sad, it. but there's resources. Yeah, and well, yeah. you know, yeah. it's happening, so somebody has to attend right. to it. Right, yeah. right. So that's right. good that they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so from your experience, yeah. and just in general, breaking it down to the folks, Okay. what is the definition I know this is a basic question, but what's right. the definition of domestic violence? Or how you say intimate partner violence, Intimate right? partner yeah. violence, exactly. Yeah. Um, the simplest definition is to say that domestic violence is a pattern of behaviors that are controlling behaviors that are played out um, in this intimate relationship. So mm-hmm. it, it can look like initially it has, gosh, it looks so many different ways, mm-hmm. um, but, but common at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, it's a pattern of behaviors to gain and maintain power and control over another individual. And it's played out in a cycle. Mm-hmm. So it's not like just, um, we like to say that it's not like what you'd see in a healthy relationship that maybe someone's just having a disagreement. It's not like that. It might sound like that if you're hearing someone share with you, they're struggling with their husband or they're struggling with their wife. Mm-hmm. But if you listen carefully and you, and you build that rapport with that person, you'll begin to realize this is really similar. It's like the same thing. There's this phase or period of time where it's almost like this honeymoon, if you will, mm-hmm. um, where there's kindness and sweetness and there's ice cream and candy and whatever all the good wonderful things and those date nights and movies and but then something will occur within that person and they'll just become like agitated about the littlest thing and that agitation will just begin to grow and grow and grow and Mm -hmm. anyone who's in this relationship will know exactly what I'm talking about or if they've experienced it or if they're friends with somebody who's going through this and it's almost like let's just create for lack of a better word create a a situation where now I have a reason to Mm. be violent I have a reason whether it's verbal abuse or physical abuse Okay, that's that's not no. the answer. That was <laughs> I just kind of went there. No, but like, <laughs> the, so domestic. Yeah. So when when I hear domestic, I just think yeah. of someone, someone getting, getting hit. hit. Absolutely. So it's way more. Okay. It's way it's way more than that, um, and I think that that's in part why so many folks stay in relationships that are incredibly unhealthy. Um, and not safe is because they don't see it as domestic Mm. violence. I mean, over the years, I've had so many, um, so many women look at me and tell me tearfully that they didn't even know. They didn't Mm. know that's what it was. Um, And oftentimes it's because, well, they're not hit. Or if they are hit, it's only random. It's once a year. It's once every year and a half. Mm. But between that time, there's uh, lots of emotional abuse. There's um, where someone's being called out of their name and they're being put down. They're being... um, made to feel ashamed or embarrassed or yeah. humiliated in so many different ways. So what's the most, so, what are the most common like misconceptions about domestic violence? Oh my goodness. You know, I, I, in preparing for this, it's really kind of crazy. I, I wanted to, 
I wrote down a lot of things because there are so many. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know what, this is really bizarre, but there's so much until I took the time. This, when you think about misconceptions, you think about, we hear that oftentimes people will say, well, it's not in my community. Um, and since I spent a great deal of time, you know, doing this work coming into it within the faith community, faith community is like, well, that doesn't happen here, like not in my church. Well, if it's one out of four, right? If it's one out of four, then guess what? That's one out of four across the nation. So it's, it's unfortunately, it's everywhere. That's that is for, that applies to women or does it apply to everyone? The one in four? The one in four is women. Okay. That's one in four women. And there are other statistics for, for <coughs> men and, as well, but I didn't yeah. grab any of those. And I think that mainly because usually it is the woman yeah. who's experiencing, who's on the victim side of this. Sure. Um, and also sometimes folks are like, well, it's not in my family. You know, so they don't mm-hmm. want to really hear about it. So mm-hmm. these are, and when when someone comes at you with that, then what winds up happening is it's not in my family, it's not in my community, it's it's not in my church. Um, another misconception is, well, it's because he's an alcoholic or it's because he's doing drugs. Drugs and alcohol does not cause someone to be abusive. It aggravates someone who is already leaning mm-hmm. in that direction anyway. But it does. It's not the cause. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, but I've. Not that I have experience, but I've heard people, you know, say that like, oh, yeah. well, he only does it when he gets drunk. Right. Like when he comes exactly. home drunk. Exactly. And that's when. That's when it happens. Had a bad day at work. Well, yeah. no, yeah. no. It's our, it's almost like um, it's, it's a learned behavior. And, and what we believe, folks who work in the domestic violence within the community, I should say, who work, do this work, mm-hmm. is that it's a learned behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and and I do believe that anything that's learned can be unlearned. So just as someone learned to be abusive, mm-hmm. there is also the person who's on the receiving end of that. And we say to her that she can also unlearn whatever those behaviors are, what, what, whatever's going on with her that's causing her to just allow that to happen mm-hmm. in her life. And that's a whole other story in itself because um, people don't, no one sets out to be and says, geez, I want to be in an abusive relationship or geez, I want to spend Christmas in an emergency domestic violence shelter. That's not anyone's dream or anyone's hope. Yeah. You know, and, and these relationships, it's not like the first date and all of a sudden someone's hitting you or pinching you or kicking you under the table. No, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like beautiful. It's like usually I've never had a survivor say to me yet that he was not kind and considerate and compassionate and thoughtful and and sweet and nice and boy he was all these things in the beginning i fell in love with him because he was all these things Mm -hmm. um and also during that time he's also really getting to know her he's getting to know what she likes he's getting to know all the things that she enjoys he's getting to know about her childhood her past what got missed um he's also here's another thing that's kind of scary he's even getting to know what she's afraid of if that, think about it, For he's getting to know because that is the very thing he can then use to really scare her. The very thing that she says that she's afraid of is the very thing he will come at and do to her. Mm. And it could be a variety of things. It could be someone's fear of dogs. It could be someone who um, just has an issue with being left, like a, abandonment. Um, I've had someone share that they pretty much drove her, abuser drove her somewhere and left her in a place that she didn't know. You know, why? Because you remember that you had this thing happen in your childhood. I mean, it Mm -hmm. is the most, it's so scary. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, and even in talking about it as I'm doing right now, which I don't have this opportunity to talk about it in this way, because usually I'm either around the company of my uh, coworkers and other folks in the field where we already know this, Mm -hmm. or I'm in the company of other, of survivors who this is their lived experience. And so needless to say, I'm not having this conversation with them. Those conversations are are just around what do you need and, and providing some educational support and helping folks understand it and be able to recognize it. So when, when you're dealing with, um, when you're working with you know the people that are going through yeah. this like yeah how do you when i when i hear you talk about just random situations oh yeah yeah i get kind of like i feel uneasy oh I'm, yeah i'm getting borderline stressed out just thinking about yeah. women that's getting abandoned in oh, the yeah. middle of the forest oh, or yeah. like out nowhere how do you as a working in that field mm-hmm. handle that every day like how do you you know what yeah. I mean? oh absolutely i totally get it you know first of all i'm a person of strong faith yeah. and it's my faith that i believe that i honestly believe in personal faith i believe god led me to this work mm. um and if i didn't have incredible like hope and i have 
crazy mad hope and faith. And I really believe that folks can leave, live a life free of violence. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. I couldn't do this work if I didn't believe that, um, that it could be done. That it could be done. Yeah. You know, that they can live a life away from it and that they can have an amazing life and mm-hmm. um, going forward. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of work that has to be done yeah. and I don't sugarcoat that. Um, they didn't get in it overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my faith just, yeah, I totally believe, and I and I think that my, I can talk about it, and I can smile because of my faith. Mm. Uh, and I've seen lives transformed. I've seen yeah. lives changed over these years. I've seen folks come in one way, really broken and really hurting, and and just jumpy and edgy and trauma and just all the effects of trauma. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, within four months later, I've seen them smile. Mm-hmm. I've seen them enroll in school. You know, I've seen them get jobs and move into housing. Yeah. Is there is there like when you're doing your work day to day, is there like a common theme of the women that are coming to the shelter? Like certain like a is there a certain age that you see oh, is typical, yeah. um, a certain socioeconomic status? Mm-hmm. Like what are the is there anything that's like a, a common theme? You know what? Domestic violence is like cancer. Oh, man anybody can get it. You better believe it, you Mm. know? And we don't take anyone in under the age of 18. So the range is, think about that, it could be 18 to 65. It could be, I mean, you know what I mean? And we've had women of all all ages, all races, uh, social economic backgrounds. We had folks with, with degrees, folks with degrees, folks without. Mm. Folks with maybe quite possibly some mental health challenges, folks without. Mm. You know, um, folks with really, really good jobs, folks without. I yeah. mean, it just really... It just across the board, across the board. It Mm. does not discriminate. Mm. And that's also something, too, that that is another myth that people tend to believe that that domestic violence is something that affects um, usually poor people Mm -hmm. or people of color and that it's not going on in any affluent neighborhood or community. And that's not true either. It's just that the folks of great affluent usually have other resources. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're not trying to get into a Raphael house or a Bradley Engel house Mm. shelter. Yeah. Yeah. So what are like, what are some truths like about domestic mm-hmm. violence that are not common? Because you're already kind of breaking down some stuff like the the basic definition is yeah. more about control. You yeah. said not necessarily about yeah. physical violence. Right. So what are some common like true truths that are that we don't know? Oh, boy. But I will say not common, I guess I should say uncommon truths. Yeah. 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 These are. Yeah. That, that folks just wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. Uh, I was. As I was gathering information, it was so funny. As I was gathering information for tonight, I thought, well, gee, it was like all the stuff is in my head. And, and it's going to be really, it's going to be a trip trying to pull it all out. So yeah. I took the time to gather this information so I would try to stay on track. And I thought that um, that I would pull out this information from what's called, it's something called a danger assessment. Okay. Um, and it was created by a woman by the name of Jacqueline Campbell in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, spare you her story. Um, and I'm going to go right to it. These are some things that you wouldn't really, you may not connect as being something that is, is definitely what folks out there may not know. Mm-hmm. All right. And what I'm going to share with you are really things that really increase the, oh my goodness, increased lethality, as well as just um, really, really severe violence, mm-hmm. okay? So if the person who is indeed the abuser, if that person has access to a gun or has threatened you with a gun, that increases the likelihood that, that the violence could be, uh, it could be life-threatening, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and I think on the one hand, we kind of get that, but here's some others. If that person's unemployed, if that person was working and now they're unemployed and they already have um, have some sort of tendencies to be abusive and to use power and control, mm-hmm. that, inc- that can also increase the violence. Mm-hmm. If their uh, victim has a child by someone that's not theirs. Mm. That increases violence. That increases likelihood of violence. Wow. Um, if that person has ever threatened to kill you, well, we get that. Sure. Yeah. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. an obvious one, right? Um, but if they've ever avoided being arrested for domestic violence, that also can increase the violence and the likelihood. of. In other words, it's at the time that a person leaves the abuser is when the likelihood of they're at their, the most dangerous point mm. is when they've left. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like for abuser, they see that person as being their, their they own them. Mm-hmm. This is their uh, property. Mm-hmm. That woman is viewed as their property. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I mean, I already talked about how if they are an alcoholic, why alcohol does not cause it, but it aggravates it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And oftentimes abusers will drink excessively and then use that as the excuse. Yeah. So if they're if they drink, um, 
and here's the thing and if they control all of your daily all of your daily activities if they got to know where you are if they're texting you every five minutes where are you at mm-hmm. where are you at what time are you going to lunch when are you going to get off lunch all of those things are are they're like warning they're like red flags um and also here's another one if you've ever been beaten while you're pregnant and it's almost like did he try to and it's almost like wait a minute why would you beat someone when they're pregnant? But we've also seen this increase mm-hmm. in lethality and that this person is very, very dangerous. If someone says, if you know for a fact that someone has either harmed an animal or killed an animal, that that is also someone who is very highly susceptible to doing some real physical damage mm. and possibly take someone's life. Man. Well, I would think, I mean, if you hit a pregnant woman, you oh, obviously like, have no, you don't have... Too no much regard, regard for life because you can kill the baby. Right. And you don't no care. No regard. Yeah. You don't care. Yeah. You don't care. And, and 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 we believe that the reason why is that that baby is now the object, is someone, something that's going to take attention away from abuser. Oh, they're jealous so, of the kid. Exactly. Mm. Okay. And it's it's really twisted because at the same time, there's it's also... It could be his kid, indeed. Yeah. And at the same time, some of them want so much. So this wow. is so crazy. We get this. It really is. It's yeah. bananas. And I, even as I'm sitting here talking, my like, gosh, this sounds like it, it is crazy. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, but there are also abusers who will quickly want to get their person, their partner pregnant. Right? Because if you can get someone pregnant, they slow down. And you also think about it. You can't run when you're can't get away when you're pregnant. And also after you have the is baby, is it that deep? They slow it, down. It, they can't it, run away. Well, you know, you think about it. If you're physically pregnant, how where are you going to go? Not it's harder either. for you to move and get around. I just can't imagine that level of manipulation. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. It is. It really is. Wow. And even to say it, it's like you know, even as I'm talking about it, because I never get the opportunity to share in this way. Mm-hmm. It's it's very very seldom. Um, most of the people in my life know the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And they they could never. We, we sat together for like an hour and a half. Mm. No one in my life has sat with me that long <laughs> to talk about this, <laughs> right? To talk about it because it's really it's really hard it's heavy. stuff. It's, it's he- heavy. It's, it's very heavy it's stuff. Very heavy, yeah. And it's not something that um, I think that, like I said, if I if I didn't know for sure that a life could be changed and renewed and and children's lives could be saved, mm-hmm. then I couldn't do this work. Yeah. If it ever got to be where it's hopeless, I could never do it. Yeah. And honestly. Um, there's always hope. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah Tell me hope. about the part when we did sit, sit down, you blew my mind when you said. Ah, oh, the, the, the percentage. The, you said 98% of domestic violence. 98% is, is financial. Is financial. Yeah. Tell, tell the people about that. Cause that just, that blew my mind. That, you know what? It's, it's, it's really, it's really amazing. So 98% of all domestic violence is financial. Mm-hmm. And if you stop and think about it, um, if it indeed, if you can get a hold of someone's finances and you control all of their income, mm-hmm. all of their money, then you pretty much really control that person. You control their ability where they can go and where they can't go, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you make sure that only, it goes both ways. If you make sure that your name, the abuser's name, is the only name that's on the lease, the only name that's on the car, the only name that's on credit cards, the only, see what I'm saying? Then now this person is in 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 a marital relationship mm-hmm. okay or you know now people in partnership will live together right okay and one person will have their name on everything right so i've seen we've seen it go both ways mm-hmm. where um the abuser will make sure that his name is on everything and mm-hmm. her name's on nothing mm-hmm. okay so now it's very difficult for her to move about the car that she thinks is hers is not hers because it's in his name mm-hmm. okay so we've seen it go that way we've seen it go also where all everything's in her name and he's messing up her credit yeah. So now the credit's getting destroyed. I hear about that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, or bank accounts. Um, that's something that's so heartbreaking is oftentimes um, I know our survivors don't have a bank account because, once again, bounce checks, all the various things. Not even so much bounce checks anymore, but but the things that have been done to really destroy that person's credit. Mm-hmm. And it makes it really difficult for them to build that up again. Yeah. So 98% of all of it, you can wrap it all around. It, it's Man. economic. It's it's financial. It's, it's hindering a person from getting a job, mm-hmm. preventing them from getting a job. And then if they do get a job, it's calling them on their job. It's showing up at their job. It's doing things that basically causes them to lose their job. Man, that's, yeah, I never, it would never occur to me that that's encompassing in domestic violence. Right. But it's, it just sounds like manipulation. Oh, a lot of it. Control. Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah. But it, unfortunately, it's kind of like how certain people, not, I don't say certain people, right. but like, there's a culture of, Yes. Of that. Oh, absolutely. Like Nar- narcissism. Growing up, <laughs> not like, like so. There's yeah. narcissism. Yeah. There's growing yeah. up. You know, as a as a young one, not to say I learned it from my dad. Right. But you you right. hear about you know like your friends at school. Oh, absolutely. Their uncles, um, yeah. especially like you know guys that, that didn't have a father in their life. Like yeah. you learn how to treat a woman. Right. From whoever's older than you. Exactly. Whether that's somebody on the block or exactly. your uncle or the pimp or the hustler or whoever is right. the most influential person in your life. Right. And they telling you, this is how you treat your woman. Right. This is how, you know, I ain't, I ain't with a woman unless she pay me. You exactly. Know? And if I exactly. ain't get money from her, she ain't with, you know, and right. so right. that type of stuff is prevalent and people are raised on that. Oh yeah. And that's and why so it's like a culture of domestic violence that we didn't even know was violent, you know, is part of that. Yeah. Umbrella. It's being, it's being bred, if yeah. you will, that yeah. they are just, Cultivated, yeah, yeah, from yeah. at sometimes an early age, 10, 11, 12 year old boys. And I, when I said this before, um, before the podcast, I so appreciate you and how you just share so freely because you were really the only man that has ever so openly told. I mean, I knew this That's already, still blowing my mind, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know. So, I would honestly, we, we may never know, but I'm just mm-hmm. curious about some of the folks that like that you grew up with that that's what they practice and that's what they taught. I'd be really curious to know if today. Where are they? And are they still, you know what I'm trying to say? So know. there's there's one there's one person that sticks out in my mind like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. But he is married. Yeah. He has a kid. Yeah. He's doing very well. Beautiful. And I don't, I don't believe, I believe he's shaken a lot of those that tendencies. Good. good. Now. Good. Because it was, it was a specific conversation. I was at his house. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys that he went to school with, they they all bragged about that. Yeah. And they went yeah, on for hours behavior. talking about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how I had her, you know, and she bought mm-hmm. me this. And, you know, well, and it's just like some of them, I, and I don't really know them that right. intimately, right. you know, but it's just like that's their lifestyle. That's yeah. things they talk about. That's things they, that they yeah. brag about. And so I just know that there are people out there that are still living that, you know, living yeah. that way. And they don't right. think it's wrong because it's normal. It's their norm. It's their norm. It's their norm. And then yeah. there are... A participating party willing mm-hmm. parties like the women are they're doing it mm-hmm. they're not complaining i mean right. i don't know oh yeah yeah and, and <laughs> that's know? very no but i hear you that's a very good point so nobody's stopping them nobody's stopping them yeah it, it goes back to um remember i said earlier that it is this learned behavior that folks like literally learn how to be abusive mm-hmm. right well the receiving of it is learned also is mm-hmm. as, as, as that's really painful to think that within a household households across this country right across the world mm-hmm. that that young girls are being raised in an environment where they're a lot of them are watching their mom be abused or maybe it's an aunt or maybe it's a cousin or mm. maybe it's grandma yeah. but it gets to be I hate to say it it's it's their norm you know and it should not be that way mm. you know and yeah. but then i will say this also it's not just um women that have grown up experiencing abuse and seeing abuse in their homes because there are women who did not even come from that mm-hmm. and i've run across them all the time in this work too yeah you know where how, how in the world did i get here daddy never abused mama mm-hmm. i never seen this happen you know but that just speaks to um how clever and how cunning and um how manipulative and persuasive mm-hmm. that most folks who use those techniques of power and control are abusers. Mm-hmm. They're really, really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Really good at what they do. That's crazy. Yeah. But I did want to share, I did bring um, something because I think that this is really important too. Oftentimes people want an idea of just, you know, what is it, what does it look like? You know what I mean? How will I know? And I, I have it all on paper because I'll get going and I might miss something. But, there, there certainly are certain characteristics or things that you can recognize that really will begin to show up early mm-hmm. in the relationship. That's good. That's you know, good. yeah. That's so you just kind of want an idea. What does it really look like? Yeah. Uh, the first one is jealousy. You mm-hmm. think about someone who's just like jealous of. It could be jealous of your time with with a female friend who's someone you're not even intimate with and would never be. Mm. But there's that jealousy that's there, um, wanting to pretty much have and, and control your time mm. and not want you spending time with really anybody other than them. Yeah. Um, and then certainly the, the, the controlling piece of it where it's not just controlling your time and where you go, but it gets down to what you wear. 
right? Mm. It's like, are you going to wear the blue dress? I don't like that dress. I want you to wear the red ones. Or are you really going to wear those earrings? Not those earrings. And initially, it's so incredibly subtle until oftentimes women are not, they're not aware of it. They just, they just don't get it. They just kind of chuckle. Well, you know, Joe wants me to wear the blue dress, you know. Mm-hmm. But actually, that's, one of, that's also one of the signs. Another thing, too, is there's usually a move for really, really quick involvement. Like you could be dating. I had a survivor tell me years ago. She said, you know what, Linda? And I said, what? She said, before I knew it he was kissing me and then before I knew it, we were married Mm. and I just and she said I don't even know how that happened but it just was and she's not the only one there's this move to real real quick involvement like you look around and how did I get to be your girlfriend or you look around and how in the world are we moving in together Mm -hmm. it is just that fast Mm. and it takes um it takes the the intended victim if you will just takes them by surprise Mm. you know um an isolation that's another one that's really big. And this is when the person will just really, I kind of talked about this already, but will want to move you away from mm-hmm. the people closest to you and um, move you away from the people that really love you the most. And oftentimes this this is done, it, it's very subtle at first. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, guess what? Let's move uh, not just across town, but let's move to a whole other city. Let's mm-hmm. get, and oftentimes those are isolated areas. And that's why for folks experiencing domestic violence or abuse in like our, out in the rural areas, we have a great deal of concern for them mm-hmm. um, because oftentimes they have moved the person way out there. So now they have no, gosh, they've sort of slammed and lost all their friends and all their relationship. They've cut that off completely. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm coming back, coming back to what? Man. You know, you have nowhere to go. Yeah. You're stuck out here. Man. You know. The isolation, I think I mentioned this to you the last time we talked, but mm-hmm. it was uh, the R. Kelly case. Like when Oh, that, wow. That, yes. Yeah, it was like big expose article yeah. talking about how he... Yeah. You know, he meets these young girls. Right. And, um, you know, he sells them on becoming a star and yeah. signing them and doing all that type of yeah. stuff. And then they eventually move away from their family, from Jeez. their parents. They're like yeah. 19, 20, 21. Yeah. And he has them, like, housed in various areas mm-hmm. of the country. So he has one in this state, one in that mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. Takes their phone. Yeah. Gives them his own phone. Like. You know, that direct line to him and him only. Him. Yeah. yeah. And they can kind of reach out to them, but like he's monitoring everything that they right. do. Um, he he records them having sex, tells yeah. them what he likes, tell them what to change. Mm-hmm. I uh, that. Like, tells them what to wear. Mm-hmm. If, that. if they look at like their driver a certain way or be too nice to oh, yeah. somebody at a restaurant, you know, yeah. it's just like, and obviously R. Kelly is just a huge pervert and he's whatever, yeah. but. But that is like, that's like, I hear what you're saying about him and that that's like this, because he has all this money. We, we, we recognize it. We recognize it. it. Exactly. But this goes on every day. It goes on every day. It goes on every day. And the thing that's so heartbreaking, it truly is with right within our community. I mean, I led a group, it's been years ago now Mm -hmm. where, um, someone shared how they had, uh, pretty much been, been held hostage, if you will, within their home for many years. Mm-hmm. And the only time they were pretty much able, you know, allowed to go out is if he took her out. And it's going to be, I'll take you to the doctor, I'll take you to the grocery store, I'll take you to, outside of that, just being held hostage mm-hmm. with, within her own home. Mm-hmm. And then on the one, and here's the thing, and I, and I understand when people are saying, oh my gosh, and, and you guys, here's one thing, please never say this, why doesn't she leave? That is like, the worst thing to ever say um, because the question is not why doesn't she leave you understand the, the question, question. You understand I, under, we, I do I do I that's do what like, if you just, just don't just just go. get out of there but you know what here's the thing the best question to ask is why doesn't he stop why doesn't he not do that conventional wisdom would say because he's allowed to do it yeah and, and he's gonna he's too. he's getting his way he's getting his way he's doing exactly what he wants and yeah, so yeah. And lo- as long as he keeps getting what he wants he's not gonna stop he's not gonna stop yeah and in her for for her um we do this let's see haven't i described there's so many there's like so many layers to this but for a survivor like to leave mm-hmm. it takes so much to leave not only the not only the inner strength to leave mm-hmm. but if all this isolation is, has taken place where are you gonna go Right. Mm-hmm. And if and if 90 percent of all DV is financial, where are you getting the money to go? Mm. 
Mm, oh, it keeps them trapped. Right. It, it, there you go. Oh, you get it, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I've already said earlier that the the need in our community outweighs the resource. So DV shelters run full like all the time. Mm. They're always full. Mm-hmm. And you know where are you going to go? And then I've already said too that when they leave it increases the violence amps up in other words the likelihood for greater violence increases once mm. when they flee mm. so so you're fleeing and where are you going to go if you flee and you that grab your little suitcase in your bag and you go to the gateway center and there's no shelter available and worst case scenario there's no funds for a hotel which is something we try and do as well mm-hmm. then where are you going to go mm-hmm. he has basically caused you to be very ostracized from all your family mm-hmm. right and you have nowhere to go but now you've got these kids mm. you're going to go to shelter a homeless shelter? That's yeah. different from a domestic violence oh, shelter. That's, no, that's not where you want to go. That's not where you want to go. Yeah. Right? And so it's cold outside. Where are you going to go? And it's almost like, this is so sad, but it's so true. It That's not the best place for them to go. And it's not like a survivor of domestic violence who's fleed violence. And it's not like they don't know. Mm-hmm. But, gosh, I hate to say it, but it's like the devil you do know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's like the devil you do know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where... You've learned how to navigate the crazy. Mm-hmm. You just get used to it. You yeah, get, you yeah. get accustomed to it. You know, I've had I've had survivors say that they could tell by the way the abuser walks through the house. You know, mm-hmm. you can tell by the way the key, the, just hearing the sound of the key in the door, the way the door pushes open, uh, just body language, just just mm-hmm. can tell what kind of evening it's going to be. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't take that much by the eyes, the body language, all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to go when. You've been alienated and just ostracized from like the entire family and isolated. It's like, where are you going to go? Yeah. Um, I think about oh, what was the Tyler Perry movie? Tyler Perry movie that came out some years ago. Um, he's had so many. I uh, know he's had so many. <laughs> Diary of a Mad um, Black, Black Woman. woman. Yeah, right. Yeah. Remember that kind of opens up where he's dragging her outside because he has a new woman. Think about that. It was in Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Is in that the, the beginning one with, of it where, uh, who was the guy? It was a Blair Underwood. Was that Blair the, didn't star in that one. I no. don't think that's not one of Blair. The, obviously, Blair has been in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe I haven't seen this one. I haven't seen it. Yeah, but it's like it's. I think it's like one of the first ones. Okay. You know, um, I think is it Sinai Lathan? I believe stars in it. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, and Tyler Perry makes his appearance in there as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's kind. You get a chance to see. He, she's married to a man who's an attorney. He's very successful, but he's also very verbally and emotionally he's abusive towards mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. He brings in another woman to the house, and he's like, "Okay, you got to go." And so within the first 20 minutes, he tells he's his like, wife she has a- yeah, she has to go because she, oh. he has a new girlfriend. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. So he's like kind of dragging her out of the house at the front door wow. and you see this. But then what I think the point I want to make in that is she reconnects with the family and Medea happens to be her aunt or cousin mm-hmm. or whatever. So she goes there. But it's very obvious that she's not been around the family, mm-hmm. you know, because he kept her like in the house on the hill and pretty much isolated her from that family. Mm-hmm. And even though, of course, that's Hollywood, that's a movie. But there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Mm. A great deal of truth in there, yeah. unfortunately. What? Them on camera. Them on camera. Oh, uh, I'm reading it wrong. Oh. People watching. I thought they were oh. typing. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> 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 right. Yeah. So, um, so, so how does someone on the outside looking in, uh, like you said, you can't just yeah. say, hey, why don't you just leave? So, right. So right. if you, right. if you know, if I mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Something's going on. Right. What do I say? How you know what? The best thing to do is, first of all, believe them. Mm-hmm. Number one, believe them. If they say to you that that this is what's going on in their lives, believe them. Um, and then the second thing, really, really keep their, hold their confidence. Do not tell anybody. And this is one of those situations mm. where if to, to gossip in this situation, you can cost someone their life or cause them severe physical Man. harm. Yeah. Because oftentimes, once again, about abusers is they're usually really outgoing people they're usually like i said they're very charismatic they're they're mm-hmm. wonderful in the community everybody loves them mm-hmm. and no one's really going to believe her mm-hmm. and chances are he's even told her no one's going to believe you mm-hmm. right yeah, so the thing cold. to do if you have someone in your life and they and they share this with you first believe them um i always say be that safe place for them to land it's mm-hmm. like my mentor uses that phrase so i'm just taking it from her <laughs> be that safe place for them to land um listen to them love on them and above all never confront abuser ever mm. never confront the abuser if anything make sure that he always believes that you're you're the kind of likes you keep him kind of liking you because you don't know man how depending long. on how <laughs> close i am to that person yeah. like i don't know if, i yeah. don't know 
Well, I'll tell you this. I've done it a few times. And it can, as far be, as it can what, be done. Like confronting with, with some, or just with, not confronting? Um, just, well, totally not confronting, but just being a friend to that survivor. Um, the no, I'm one saying thing, if, if I come, me as a man. Oh, yeah. Oh, as a man. It's As a man, yeah. man to man, yeah. you know. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Because it, it can do damage to her. As much as you might want to, she could be harmed if you confront him. Because now he's going to go back to her. You told you told Emmanuel what mm-hmm. you know what I mean and mm-hmm. now she's in a, a great deal of trouble because for most abusers their their reputation and their persona and they have to look good in front of everybody mm-hmm. um, there is I just read an article not long ago that talked about just the the degree of like just insecurity that a person mm-hmm. has that's really abusive mm-hmm. they really have very low self-esteem and you would never know it because after all i'm, I'm describing them as one way mm-hmm. and here i'm telling you but really deep down it's that's not the case yeah. there's a lot of insecurity there's a lot of low self-esteem and the only way they get that boost is by powering over bullying and intimidating someone else who they view as weaker mm. you know so just listen you want to listen to her okay. um you want to be um just be just hear her and, and don't tell her, why don't you leave? Never say that. Mm-hmm. Hear her, listen her, and allow her family? to share. If it's family. If it's family, it's even harder. That's what I'm saying. It's, oh, it's really, it's really lot, hard. Oh, absolutely. If it's, family. if it's family, honestly, if it's family, it's still the same thing. Okay? It's still the same thing. But you do, there's certain things you want to find out. First of all, there, there's the complexities of domestic violence are just so deep. There's so many complexities to this. And yeah. so in this hour and a half, two hours, there's no way I can get it all out, obviously. Um, but I will say this, take the time to educate yourself about it as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, and if, and if the person, if she's struggling to believe that she's in DV, mm-hmm. and, and you're like, say you're at somebody's house and you're just observing this horrible treatment that this woman is experiencing and she's just kind of going on unaware, unaware of it or seemingly unaware, just knowing that she feels bad all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where if you're able to, you can uh, say something to her, like if you get a chance, check out this website, like loveisrespect.org. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Most mm-hmm. of those different sites, you can go on and do like a, um, like a survey, if you will, just take an online survey and answering these questions, and it'll let you know whether or not you're in an abusive relationship. Yeah. But the most important thing is continue to be her friend. Yeah. Continue to love her. As hard as it is, listen as hard as it as it is really listen but don't just listen educate yourself and do find out you know are there weapons in the house do find out like casually has he ever threatened you um as is he beating the kids you know because children wind up involved in this too as awful as it is but they do Mm -hmm. you know you want to find those things out and and i always say that it's best to have all the questions and none of the answers Mm. just come up with all the questions if you're someone that you love and care for is experiencing domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah. So many questions running through my mind. I just, I'm, yeah. God bless you for doing this work. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm thinking yeah. about if this, like if somebody was hitting my daughter. Oh my goodness. It's yeah. not, I'm not having no conversations. You know, I, I might be putting myself in harm's way, but I'm going over there. But can, I, but can I say something off yeah. note, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's so true. Mm-hmm. And there's probably women out there listening right now that are saying, say it, say it, say it. The best gift that you can give your daughter is to love on her and tell her every day how beautiful she is. Oh. How, um, and you do. I have a feeling oh. you do that anyway. Yeah. Right? Well, I'll tell you what. If you if you continue doing that mm-hmm. and you do that all the way up, all the way just for, for her young adult life okay mm-hmm. until she gets married if you do that mm-hmm. that decreases the likelihood that she she's not going to be with someone who's going to treat her as a, as if she's of no value mm-hmm. because the most important man in her life has been letting her know every single day of her life mm-hmm. how valuable she is yeah, yeah. So you see what i'm saying so yeah. it just decreases the likelihood of that happening you know it's it's you know i it's this is one of those things where i i say this and i'm careful with where i say it and how i say it but when we as as a people don't take the time to really grow strong and we're if we come from a background where we don't have that opportunity to grow really strong in our identity and embrace our worth and our value and our beauty mm-hmm. it makes us more vulnerable and think about all the lonely people in the world oh, think yeah. about all the broken homes i mean yeah. don't get me started with what goes on with you know, foster foster homes i mean their kids are all across this country mm-hmm. you know and um I'm not blaming foster homes. I'm just saying it's awesome that they're there. But I believe that those children are going to grow up with some abandonment issues. They're mm-hmm. going to grow up hurting and and behind something that was no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of things I think we can say that can possibly lead to this. Yeah. You know. 
But I do want to address something. There might be someone wondering, can an abusive person ever change? Can someone who's been using power and control and they've been uh, abused, let's say for years, right, can Mm -hmm. they ever change? Um, Our court system, uh, when there's been violence and the person has been arrested for domestic violence, oftentimes the court will order um, the perpetrator to, to basically batter's intervention. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is usually in or between 50 to 51 to 52 weeks of just every single week they're going and they're having to pay for this. Mm-hmm. And ideally, they're learning about the degree of damage that they've caused and also unlearning those behaviors that cause them to be abusive to begin with. And this mm-hmm. goes on court mandated. You're going to do this. The last statistic I saw said that less than two percent change. Mm-hmm. So if you got that's great that we provide this. But if two percent of men who batter coming out of after 52 weeks of tr- of classes mm. to unlearn that behavior um that's that's real scary and i have said to to survivors over the years that when they have shared with me that they're in batter's intervention and they're really believing that they're going to change mm-hmm. and i have been very careful about it but i have shared that you know and just and not to totally not to say that someone can't but just to but be mindful. But there's a 90 chance that they won't. Exactly. Man. Exactly. Because it is just ingrained. Mm-hmm. So with that stat, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to ask this question, but I'll just, I have to ask it because I'm sure the guys are asking, you know, thinking like, ask yeah. that question. Mm-hmm. What responsibility yeah. does the woman have? Mm-hmm as far as like getting out of there, escaping the situation. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of things where the, the, the control yeah. of their life has been yeah. taken away and they yeah. don't even realize it. Right. And they're emotionally right. tied and whatnot. But like, what are their responsibilities? How does one break away? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, here's another statistic that is gonna be hard to hear. Oftentimes survivors will leave like seven to eight times before they leave for good. Mm. Like there's a going back and forth. And that and that is like a one of the scarier things that we hear because I already read something and shared about how when you leave, it increases the violence, yeah. the likelihood of the violence. So mm-hmm. it's a very volatile and very scary place to be in. Yeah. Um, it, and we also believe that, honestly, that leaving and coming back again, each time they leave, a survivor leaves, she's learning something. She's learning something new. Uh, and you're right, like, what is she learning? Well, mm. she one, she's learning what resources are available. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also learning that, man, I did this once. I can I can do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, she's maybe she realizes now that I, there's certain things I need to pack. Right. I need to have my birth certificates. I need to have the kids birth certificates. I need to have the kids social security mm-hmm. cards. I need to yeah. have my social security. I need, in other words, I need to have all the vital statistics, all the vital records. Right. <laughs> right. All these things I've got to have together. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I have a car and the car's in my name, I, don't, I want to make sure I have the title. I mean, all these things that we probably or even the kids, if the kids have gotten shots, I want to make sure I have the shot records. Mm-hmm. You get it. Yeah. So certain things. And so each time that she leaves, she's learning something new that she didn't know the last time. Mm-hmm. But the heartbreaking piece is, oh, my goodness that he's going to make her pay for it when she comes back mm. or worse yet if he has to go find her and bring her back because uh, that's another part of this too is stalking mm. you know and that's super scary and we've had folks that have come into the state of Oregon from all parts of the, the country every you know all over d- different states running and uh, and oftentimes abuser follows them and so that just creates so there's a whole nother layer to all of this so so her responsibility in all of this Mm, is to first such, it can be such a gray area like it, yeah. it seems like it's yeah. hard to enforce oh yeah i like mean you, i hear you say I that i don't think stalking is is it there's not illegal. yeah there is yeah there is and now oh, there's there is? actually yeah it's only been within i think within the last seven to ten years oh, or really? so there okay. is yeah exactly oh yeah but stalking like, is now trying to prove it though well, enough bad things have happened where it can be proved. I didn't bring all my stuff. Next time we get together, we're going to have to talk about stalking because I didn't bring all my information oh, on stalking. Yeah. yeah, but there, there's just like there's a restraining order, there's a stalking order that someone is like, okay, you okay. cannot so this person. What, what does one need if somebody's in a, a, an abusive relationship? Yeah. What's like the least of what you need to get a restraining order? How about that? The least? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You're going to go down the restraining order road, too. Um, I've already said I don't have all this information for restraining orders and stalking orders. Just the best that you But the best that I can. There has to be proof of physical violence. That is kind of like the piece that I can give. In other words, I can't just, right now, I can't just go and say, I want to file a restraining order against Emmanuel. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? For mm-hmm. what? You know what I mean? It has to be. Um, usually, it's an arrest. Okay. Oftentimes, okay. it's yeah. So it has oftentimes, to be an arrest. Basically. Exactly. It has. So you can't you can't give the the clinical. No, that's a good definition. Question. Like, all right, he's financially abusing me. I need a cease and desist or something. You know, some type of something. No. No. no? All you've got is it has to be physical. Mm. before the law of the land, if you will, will will get involved. And that's heartbreaking because we know this is all emotional and psychological and it's financial and it's, I mean, it's all these horrible things that put someone in so much mental bondage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're Mm -hmm. just literally stuck. Yeah. Okay. They're just without any power at all, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's not against the law. It's only against the law if you hit them, Wow. you know, so... And that also, too, just even having this conversation, you know, I think that, um, you know, judges are required to do so many hours a, a year for certain like family law and all the stuff that they study. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that's always been difficult for me is it's like, man, how come there can't be a judge that just as an expert in domestic violence? Right. You know because what I mean? it's so layered. Oh, my like, gosh. It's, yeah. it's so layered. And, and I have supported folks in going to court, too. And that's that's really painful that's really always hard because i'm like how come you don't know this Mm -hmm. but um but they're doing they're honoring the law and and often unfortunately sometimes it really feels very unfair that it doesn't always feel like the law is in on the side of the survivor and keep in mind when there's kids involved well the abuser definitely wants to have custody of the kid or he definitely wants to have this visitation and Mm -hmm. um so there's 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 so many layers you're saying why doesn't she leave the thought of that is Mm -hmm. well she's gonna she knows that he just loves the kids to death and actually does things within the household even try to turn the kids against the mom as the kids get older so Mm -hmm. that's even a whole nother layer that we you know we haven't talked about but um but if you're a woman and you're experiencing domestic violence and you have kids with this man are you gonna you're gonna really struggle with wanting your kids to spend time with him because you know that it's not safe for your kids at some point it's not going to be safe and it certainly isn't going to be safe for you to take the kids to him or to meet someplace to you know what i mean so there's a lot of logistics a lot mm-hmm. has to be worked out for that to happen yeah you know um i've heard of cases where women have like i'm going to just flee i'm going to take the kids and i'm going to go to another city i'm going to go well guess what he's going to say that you you can't just leave with my kid that's my kid you know what i mean now he's yeah. got law enforcement finding you because you i mean it's just and all the while he's been abusing you so once again, um, gosh, why doesn't she leave? Oh my gosh, the, the an- there's so many answers to that. It's just, it's the complexities are just all too great. Yeah. But it's not impossible. Right. It's not impossible. So it's it's us, a journey. Give us some hope. Right yeah. Now, oh yeah. Of, okay. I'm sorry. Kind of depressed, <laughs> kind of depressed right now. It just sounds oh, like it's no. all it's all downhill. No. 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 There's no light at the end of the tunnel right there now. There is a light at the end of the okay, tunnel. Okay. Give us, because give us some light. Okay. Here's some light. Here's some light. Too much truth. Too, okay. 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 It's too hard. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Here's here's some good stuff. Here's okay. some good stuff. We have had folks come into shelter, uh-huh. right? That have come in struggling and hurting and all the worst of the worst, right? Yeah. And they have managed to get jobs. Nice. They have managed to keep themselves safe. Mm-hmm. They have taken care of their kiddos. They've gotten mm-hmm. their kids enrolled in school. Let's they, go. Right? And, right? Success it's, stories. It's, Let's go. And there are quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had everything from folks come in and, and return to school, get get their associate's degree, start working. Uh, before you know it, they're, they're working. Then they're getting promoted on their job. We've even had people that have left shelter doing so well until they reach back to us and say, hey, I'm in a position where I can actually help someone get hired. Is there anyone there that needs to work? Wow. Right. So they're like giving back, Mm. you know, and I actually have about two or three women right now that I can't name them, obviously, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but two or three women right now that are doing so well and they are giving back. They are reaching back saying, hey, what 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 can I do? So does your organization, you guys just partner with a lot of other like groups to be able to put them in positions to get jobs, to go back to school or do they just kind of you just kind of help them? help push them in that direction there is you know what we do that's a very good question what we do is we find out like i said the folks can stay in our in our shelter up to 120 days okay okay and so during that time each person is assigned a primary advocate Mm -hmm. and they will meet with that primary advocate once a week and it's not so that advocate doesn't tell them what to do or how to do Mm -hmm. but that advocate really just connects with them and says like how's it going Mm -hmm. um and what do you want to work on and sometimes folks do need that reminder that you know shelter is a temporary stay this is not permanent Mm -hmm. and so we ask what do you want to work on during your stay and when people feel stuck 
like, how can I even begin to think about that? Because mm. I'm so in so much trauma from the abuse I've experienced. And my every day is just trying to take care of my kids and stay sane and survive in the shelter. But that advocate's role is to come alongside of them and to help them explore what they want to do. Mm. Right. That's and good. so, right. And so therefore they set goals. And then the advocate's role is to continue to meet with them every week and to see how is it going meeting those goals. And what can that advocate do to, to do I need to sit with you while you make those phone calls? Or, mm. you know, um, I can so only, somebody to just hold them accountable, basically. You know what? I don't even know if I want to say hold accountable because we, we don't use encourage. that word. Just, but just someone to uh, walk alongside of them. Mm. Okay. You know, and, and into this, the life that they want to have. We find out what life do you want? Mm. What do you want? Yeah. You know, because until people begin to have a want and a desire for themselves, there's nothing we can do anyway. You mm. know, but clearly just reaching out and getting into the shelter, you're saying, I want to be, I want to live a life free of violence. I don't want to be in that violent situation. You know, so that's moving forward. There is an organization. I feel so bad. You know, you can have a head full of acronyms, and then all of a sudden you like brain fart. <laughs> I don't even know what the ac- okay, yep. but it's called WISP. Um, and so, watch when I when the podcast is over, I'm going to remember. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's an organization that will assist, actually, pretty much assist and support. Okay, survivors in to going back to school. Well, they will pay for it. Mm. So there's to answer your question. So there are definitely resources out there mm-hmm. that will come alongside of a survivor beyond shelter if you will and support them in moving forward yeah you know and so what we do and the thing about it is all of these for the most part they're either nonprofits, right or or they're they're holding together because or the funds are available because someone's donating a great deal of money and these are like wonderfully wealthy folks that are able to do this mm-hmm. and then um there's just a variety of places. And mm-hmm. so our, I think our role as advocates is to always try to be on that cutting edge. We always want to know, mm-hmm. you know, what resource, what service, what's available that survivors can take advantage of. Yeah, that's good. You know, so that. what's one, like, specific, just awesome, like, recovery story that you can just tell about somebody? I know you can't reveal who they are and their name. but Gosh, what, there's what's so a, many. Gosh, at least one. Uh, I would say it would have to be a number of years ago, and I won't mm-hmm. say where. So, okay. okay, so I, I would say within, anywhere in, within in the, the last ten years. Last ten years. Within okay. the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, there was a, a woman who was fleeing violence, mm-hmm. who wanted so much just to finish school. She wanted to, cosmetology, right? Okay. And she had tried for years, and her abuser would always come up with ways to cause her to have to drop out of school. Mm. She was finally able to not only finish school. <laughs> but she was able to begin working at a, a salon mm-hmm. and then the owner gave her keys to the salon she was pretty much managing and running that salon oh, wow. so she went from being in this all this years and years of all this horrific violence and this horrific abuse to finding herself now in this situation mm. so so she's one um but there are so many and i just mm. want to be careful about how much you know what i mean just sort of managing that yeah. you know and then there certainly are the stories of the women who um spent years in an abusive relationship get out of abusive relationship able to go to work um mm. and then begin once again supporting survivors by leading a, a support group mm. and i know many 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 women that have done that yeah. you know what i mean i've gone back to school now they're a massage therapist mm-hmm. okay come back to school now they're a nurse. nurse. I mean, so there are like incredible stories. It, it's not a, I look at it like this, that something happened along the way that caused you to find yourself in this situation where you're either dating someone or now you're married to somebody. Now you have kids with this person mm-hmm. and this relationship is not safe and it's not healthy. Um, I will say this, if you are afraid and if you are afraid for your life, then trust that instinct. Okay, Mm -hmm. something happened. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, but that's not the end of it. Mm -hmm. Because there is help out there. And there's always hope that your life can get better. And I've seen it. I couldn't do this work if all there was was all the sad, the the sad stuff Mm -hmm. that I just sort of, blah. (laughs) You know, I just sort of gave up all the hard stuff. We got to lay the groundwork. (laughs) It was was bringing me down. I'm not going to lie. But you know, I mean, that my discomfort is somebody's real, like, nightmare. Right. Right. Yeah. And one of the things I was thinking earlier this morning, too, as I just in preparing to come here and to see you this evening was mm-hmm. this is the one topic that nobody wants to talk about. Who wants to talk about this? Who wants to think about this? But the reality is, if we don't start talking about it, right, mm-hmm. and if we don't start thinking about it and having these hard conversations, it'll never end. It's true. It's not going to end. You'll forever have this isolated pocket of 
the you know my domestic violence community of agencies and advocates that are doing this amazing work behind the scenes mm -hmm. we might get the complexities of domestic violence right. but it's not doing any good if we can't get it out here right if it's just the, your nice little right. secret then, yeah. right no it has to it's be not impacting the culture exactly mm -hmm. i feel you i mean it's funny because like you know i don't shy away from any topics and I didn't shy away from that. No, you didn't. You didn't. And there's, but there's certain things that I talk about, and then like as I'm going through it, yeah. Like, oh my god, I, I really this is heavy, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I see why people don't want it, you know. Even though initially it's just like, right. no, talk about everything. Let's let's go. I'm not scared, right. you know. Right. But uh, it's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy. But we yeah. we got we got a way through it, you know. And we oh, have yeah. to, like you said, we got to put the information out there. People have to at least have a fighting chance to have to know. Some exactly. type of way. Exactly. Yeah. Some kind of way. Because a lot of us, like myself included, this is like brand new information. So yeah. I'm glad you're sharing it, you know. Oh, thank so you. So tell me more about like your organization and okay. how people can get in contact. You know, if someone, if you have mm -hmm. a family member or if you yourself, you know, need to reach out, if you're listening to this, how will people get in contact with you and, and your, your folks? Well, you know, I would say the the very first thing to do if they're in a domestic violence situation right now, mm -hmm. I would say the the first thing to do is you can totally call. I would say um, a call to safety. Okay. Um, and I'm going to put my glasses on. Okay. Um, because that's local. That's within Portland. Um, I would say definitely call call to safety first, and you can reach them at eight 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 two three five fifty three thirty three. And I'm going to put all this in the show notes, uh, and it'll also be on the Facebook live feed that everybody is watching, so you guys will be able to reference this later on. Right. And also the Gateway Center. Um, mm -hmm. The Gateway Center, it, we've we've referred to it as being sort of the one-stop shop, if you will, because in there, there's legal aid, there's legal services that are available there. Mm -hmm. um, there's also, you can get a restraining order done there, if that's what you're in need of. You can mm -hmm. certainly connect with, um, we're called navigators, but they're actually advocates that can spend time with you. Um, they also have support groups that are there at the Gateway Center. Um, there's so much at the Gateway Center. That's sort of like, the it's a wonderful place to go, mm -hmm. to where you'll receive that support and that love and that encouragement, and honestly, just that hope that, it can get better. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll give you the phone number to the Gateway Center. So it's 988-6400. And that's 503. And they're open Monday through Friday between 9 and 4. Mm -hmm. And you can and you don't need an appointment. Yeah. You can just show up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think we'll put a pin in this conversation. But we're definitely okay. going to come back and talk about some yeah. more things. I know that uh, you have mentioned just like the dynamics of healthy versus unhealthy oh yes yeah we oh, definitely yes. get into that i that's what i'm excited about yeah. because even though even you know i'll be honest with you the hearing domestic violence is like yeah. you know i work in it and i'm like i just hear that word mm -hmm. but really it's down to if we can present it in such a way where people can hear it and and be more willing to not like i'm i can't even listen to this <laughs> this any mm -hmm. longer on the facebook it's like you it's hear it and you're like oh, oh that's not me and you just disregard right. it right like, you no, disregard it has nothing it. to do with me right yeah. but if you can look at it this way what is this is healthy and this is unhealthy yeah this is safe and this is unsafe yeah. and if we can see it that way i think it's it's really easier to receive it's either to easier to i can swallow that yeah for sure so definitely bring you back next month we'll okay. make this happen again we will all right um if you guys have been watching live appreciate y'all if you're on soundcloud if you're on itunes if you're on stitcher wherever you're listening we appreciate you for listening once again uh, so I'm signing off with your boy Emmanuel Williams, Socks and Sandals Podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Grace and peace. See y'all later. Nike socks, Birkenstocks, oh what a faux pas Hold applause, I don't need a gold star or a cause I just bleed my soul's call, uh I just let my soul talk, it could be a close call I could be a lone star, uh Shining like the North Star, uh I'm just tryna, I'm just tryna gleam for today I'ma take the lead, I just got a beam I was taught to mean what I say And say what I mean, so I gotta speak I ain't come to preach, but I braced I'ma speak my peace, tryna walk in peace I've been given freedom a taste I'm just being free Nike socks, Birkenstocks Oh, what a faux pas, unmasked
ass, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice set of unacclaimed, yeah. Hear the voice set of unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact, I was used to wearing bad shoes. Uh, Nike socks, Birkenstocks. Oh, what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hear the voice set of unacclaimed, yeah. Hear the voice set of unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact, I was used to wearing bad shoes. Yeah. Uh, Nike socks, Birkenstocks, my plots, my narrative. This is journalism, wearing skin, no writer's block, no writer's block. Uh, every page imperative, every verb, now phrase, character. Every verb, then, now shapes character. True story, no embellishments, uh. Front page editorial, no editors, no editing, no meddling, just transparency, transparently. All praise due to the chief, source credited. That's etiquette, yes, good news, that good news, I'm evidence. Oh, I gave you the truest me, my truest speech, true and deep from the loosest leaves of my loose leaf, my flaws and all, see? I'm fragile, but by grace I am choosing peace over losing sleep, and I must say these sandals fit quite nicely over these cool elites. Nike socks, Birkenstocks, oh, what a faux pas, unmasked, unabashed, unashamed, uh, hear the voice set up, unacclaimed, yeah, hear the voice set up, unacclaimed, maybe.